we like to celebrate all the Christian holidays around here. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so uh, let's get ready. How many brought your playbook with you today? All right, let's get the playbooks out. All right, Father, we just love you today. Thank you for your presence as we approach your word here today. We thank you that it's full of life and full of strength. It's health to all of our flesh. It's wisdom for our our lives. And Lord, we open our hearts today, and I pray you give each one eyes to see and ears to hear, and Lord, hearts to receive the very words of God. And we purpose in our hearts today to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 today. (laughs) Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We want to have the heart of God on what He has in mind for the body of Christ, for our team, and for what we're uh, endeavoring to accomplish, what He wants us to accomplish in, in life. And uh, many times it's easy for people to get away from what God's intent really is, and we follow tradition, and not all tradition is bad, but uh, we follow tradition, we follow the way our families have done it, or the way our church has always done it, and sometimes we don't have Bible verses on <laughs> for the things that we do, or, you know, for the opposite, for the things that we don't do, um, and, and we need to make sure that our lives are governed by the Word of God, and that we have the direction of the Lord for our lives, Amen. And so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. How many understand he's not talking here today specifically about sleeping people uh, or dead people, talking about in 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 the natural way. They're not physically asleep, they're not physically dead. Everybody understand that? Because you don't actually write letters and talk to people who are dead, right? Hopefully we know that. Yeah. There are those in Hollywood that don't know that. <laughs> Nevertheless, we've graduated beyond the nursery <laughs> in life, and we realize what's real, what's not real, what there is, what there is not. Uh, but it's very interesting that he uses those terms, okay? He's talking to saved people. He's talking to believers, spirit-filled believers. He said, you guys look like you're dead. You guys look like you're sleeping. That's not exactly a compliment. Do we realize that? Uh, what is he saying about that? He's not saying you guys are spiritually dead and you're going to hell. No, they, he's writing to the church. You don't tell people in church you're going to hell. Unless they're visiting. <laughs> You know what I mean. (laughs) Then maybe. But sometimes people in the church, uh, they look like they're asleep. Or they look like they're dead. Today, if you look like you're asleep, (laughs) I have a, a spiritual way to wake you up. So be ready. If you're sitting next to someone, I'm not, I can't guarantee you my accuracy either. So you might want to keep an eye on the person next to you, lest you catch one in the head. Uh, but again, a, a sleeping person, they're not doing very much. <laughs> a dead, you know, dead people don't say a lot. They don't do a lot. They don't contribute a lot. 
Uh, they're not um, very influential on others. A sleeping person, they're there, they're alive, they're in existence, but they're not exactly helping anything. They're not aware of what's going on around them, right? And uh, I never want to be called concerning my walk with God and my spiritual life either dead or sleeping. Neither of those are something I aspire to. All of us should avoid as much as possible the, the title sleeping Christian, dead Christian. You know how I many know if, we, if our church were described as dead, that wouldn't exactly be a, a builder. You know, we got bumper stickers, put up a billboard. <laughs> the sleepiest church in town. That's not, that's not something desirable. But yet, apparently it's very possible for Christians to have that sort of appearance. That they're asleep concerning certain things. Or they are dead concerning certain things. So he said, wake up. Would you wake up? Would you rise? It's time for a resurrection in your life so that you can start acting like you're supposed to act. Okay, he went on to say, he said, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. All right. Do we have any people here walking circumspectly? How how many love to walk circumspectly? (laughs) Why why such a a, a muted response here? Circum, what? (laughs) Well, Before we go into that, understand that he says, if you're walking circumspectly, you're walking as a wise person, and if you're not, you're a fool. Any any circumspect people here? Okay. It's all of a sudden desirable. I don't want to be be named a fool. I'd rather be called wise. I I want to live in wisdom. I don't want to live like a fool. But it's possible for a Christian to live like a fool, apparently. That's pretty eye-opening, pretty saddening at the same time. But we live in a day, we live in a time, and I think this is true of all time, but I know when I see the Scripture, it seems to get more and more important the later on in the history of the world that you live, all right? It's so important that we be in the right place, that we be doing the right thing, okay? We can see from Scripture that in the last days, remember, you remember uh, Hebrews 10 verse 25 says that as much as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord approaching, he said you need to get together more and you need to encourage and, and stir up one another towards love and good works. But again, the emphasis there is the closer you get to the end, the closer you get to when the Lord Jesus comes back, you need to kind of do this stuff more. Why? Well, in the world, things get worse and worse. In the kingdom, things get better and better. The path of the righteous keeps getting better, but it keeps getting brighter. But uh, in the world, things get worse. You've watched the news lately. I mean, it just, it's not just today, but in our time in which we live, there's a lot of nasty stuff going on. There's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of upheaval. Heaval. There's, a, there's a lot of problems in the world today. And so much more as we get closer and closer to the end, there's certain things we need to be doing more and more. All right? I believe it's vital that every one of us be in our place, that every one of us be doing, not just being, but doing what we're supposed to do. We were called to action. The body of Christ needs you in the game. 
The Lord himself needs you in the game. You have a function. You have a part in God's great plan for the earth today. And so uh, we were called, as the scripture says, unto good works. We were designed to do something good. If I was designed for action, if I was created with purpose to do something, I'll never be fulfilled. I'll never feel complete until I am doing what I was created, what I was designed to do. All right? And so we all ought to be looking for activity. When we, whenever, uh, whenever the word goes out, you ought to be looking for something to act on, looking for something to do. All right? This is who we are. Christianity is not a hobby. It's not supposed to be something that we add to our existence. It's supposed to be something that defines our very existence. It's kind of like the person who says, you know, you, you walk up and say, so tell me about yourself. You know, and they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm an electrician and I like to watch football and I have a wife and I have three kids and I have this and, I, and we start telling all the natural things about, oh, and I'm a Christian. Oh, and I'm also a believer. That's really not a good way to describe yourself. Really, Colossians 3 says Christ is our life. And so how do you define a child of God? Well, tell me about yourself. I'm saved. I'm I'm a child of God. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Now, in addition to that, as a Christian, maybe I am an electrician. Maybe I uh, watch football. I have kids. I have family. You know, I do some various things. But the description of our life needs to be that this is who I am. Everything else comes out of that. Not, I do all these things. And also, it's just like a parallel line. I'm also a child of God. I'm also saved. In, in, in some uh, foreign lands, missionaries and evangelists will tell you that because of people's religious uh, backgrounds and paganism and different things that happened in certain societies, when they introduce Jesus to them, they have to be very clear with them because what they'll do is they'll add Jesus to all their other gods. They serve this and they worship this and they serve this spirit and worship this idol and they got all these, these beliefs and, and now Jesus too. They throw Jesus in the mix and they say, no, 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 that's not the way the, the, the only God operates. That's not the way a relationship with him works. It's called you lay everything aside and serve him and him alone. And then, and only then, things start to work. Amen? Amen. And uh, praise God. So uh, the Bible says here that we are to walk circumspectly. We got to get this circumspectly thing down. How many have been working on your circumspect? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've just really been praying about that, man. <laughs> well, what that means, one thing it means is it means that we live accurately. It, we live precisely, that we do things intentionally. We live on purpose. But I, I want you to think about that word. A lot of times you can figure out words if you break them apart. The word circum and spect circumspect. Think of the word circum like you're, uh, um, um, <laughs> what's that word? Circumference is the word I've been using. Like circumference, all right? You can think of circumstance. You could think of things that imply your surroundings, okay? And then spect, you know, like inspect. Uh, it means you're looking. 
basically what we're talking about is here, here when he says we need to live or walk circumspectly, we are looking around. It means we are aware of what's going on around us. We are not living in the dark. We are not living as if we don't know. But we have an understanding spiritually, naturally. We know what's going on around us. We're not sleeping. We're not dead. Or not even this. We're not just living in a bubble where all we're aware of in life is ourselves, our own needs, uh, what's going on in our individual lives. No, but we're living circumspect. We know what's happening around us. We're recognizing the God-ordained connections and divine appointments that He has for us. That We know that He brings certain people into our lives for a reason. He brings people into our lives so we can have an influence. In a, there's something in you that somebody else needs. God put it in you for a reason. You know, God called me into His family because He loves me. But you know, he called me into ministry because he loves you and loves other people. Do you know, God called you and saved you because he loves you. But he put graces, his graces, his gifts, his anointings, his abilities in you because he loves somebody else. And when we have this proper perspective, we're able to walk circumspectly. We're able to know what's going on around us and recognize the God-ordained connections that he's brought into our lives. Praise God. You know, a good quarterback is, is, is not always just the one who's got the strongest arm. It's not always just the quarterback who can throw the ball the farthest or, or you know, rifle that thing in like a bullet. But you know who they are? They're the ones who are able to read defenses. They're the ones who are able to know their surroundings. And they can avoid the, uh, you know, the rush. And they can avoid different... Um, strategies of, of, of defense and put the ball where it needs to be. And, and, and that's true as well in our lives. Who's going to do the best? Those who are aware. Those who know what's going on. Jesus rebuked people in his day for not being able to recognize that God was doing something in their midst. He said, you guys look at the sky. You, tell, you, you can tell when the weather is about to change. He said, but you don't know the signs of the times. Let's not be so naturally minded that we're in tune with every natural thing going on when it comes to spiritual stuff. We are dumb as a doorknob. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Just, huh, God moved? What was that? <laughs> you know, one time God spoke. Uh, the Father spoke to Jesus from heaven. It was an, an audible thing. The Lord spoke out loud to Jesus and everyone around said, was that thunder? I mean, he heard what God said, but everyone else thought it was just thundering outside. Is that possible? Absolutely. That God could be speaking here in our midst today. And to some, it's just noise. And to others, it's a word from heaven. And we need to be spiritual enough to discern the difference. All right. Let's live now circumspectly. Uh, The verse goes on to say, Well, I want to give you these in the right order, but verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. The NIV says it this way, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Okay, how can I live as a wise person? I'm taking advantage of opportunities. There are opportunities in front of all of us every day. The fool doesn't recognize them. 
the fool does not take advantage of them. The wise person jumps on them and says, here's an opportunity. Here's my chance. Here's my opportunity to be used of God in something, in somebody else's life. All right? The fool, they just go on their way. Oh, all's well. All's fine. Just concerned about their own life. I like the Amplified of this. It says, uh, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Amen. Amen. That's how we're supposed to live. Praise God. You know, let me give you three, three, three good reasons here today. Yeah, I, I, yeah, coach is calling in plays. Why should you be in the game? Why should we all be in the game? Well, number one, because we were created for action. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. We were created for action. None of us were created to be passive, to created to be, side, be on the sidelines. You know, in one real sense, we should all be cheerleaders of each other. We should be encouraging and, and helping each other. But you know, none of us in the, in the real world now, in the kingdom of God, are full-time cheerleaders. None of us are supposed to be just cheering others, and that's our full-time assignment. No. In this arena, in this um, endeavor, God has called every one of us to be on the team. Every one of us are a part of this team's success. And none of us are just fans. Woohoo! No, this is a team effort and everyone's got an assignment. We were created for that. We were designed for that. Number two, because the days are evil. We just read that in Ephesians 5.16. Why should we be in the game? Because, man, time is short. Because the days are evil. We live in a time where we need you. We need everybody in the game. And number three, because it is God's plan. It is God's plan. Ephesians 4.12, we'll get there in a minute. All right. It is God's plan. He has a specific game plan to carry out his purposes in the earth today. And you know what? You're a part of it. You know what? You are a part of that great plan. That's not only good news, but it's also a responsibility. Let's step up and let's get in and do what we're supposed to do. Now, the very next verse there, Ephesians 5:17, reads this way. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Basically, uh, it's, it's, it's very important for us to understand what God wants. And in the kingdom, uh, in, in the world today, there's a whole lot of ignorance of God's will. A lot of people don't know what he wants. They don't know what he wants to do. I was reading, reading recently about some uh, endeavors in, in different uh, parts of the world uh, where God had moved. You know, in different parts of the world, we don't necessarily know about it so much in, in our country. We think it's all fake because it's in movies and, and like uh, what I'm talking about, some pagan practices like witch doctors and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of parts of the world where that's actual reality. And, uh, and, and, and reading about one particular group, how they would... Uh, all the, the Christians, when they got sick, uh, they would go to the witch doctors to get healed. That happens today, actually, still in many places. Why? Well, one, because they go to church, and their church is dead. 
And they're powerless. And they'll tell you, well, we don't really know what God wants you to do. He might want you to be sick. That happens in our city. I mean, that's tragic. That people would represent God in that way. But in these countries, you know, go to, they, people have big problems. They go to church and they don't know what to do. So they'd go to the witch doctors, which of course is wrong, but they'd get them healed. Amazing. They get results through the power of the devil. Because <laughs> the church is powerless. That's sad. We need to know. If we're going to be a help and a blessing to anyone around us, we've got to know the will of God. We've got to know what he wants. Let me give you a few examples. First of all, and uh, we need to know that, number one, uh, it is God's will that everyone be saved. Second Peter 3, 9. It is the will of God that everyone be saved. Everyone you come in contact with, everyone you live by, everyone you work with, everyone in your family, every time you look at them, you know what? God's looking at them, too. And his heart is beating for their salvation. He, he paid the price. Jesus shed his blood on the cross that they might be saved. The atheist, the one who's antagonistic against the gospel, the one who says you are a kook, the one, uh, the one who is just in doubt and angry at God. There are all kinds of people in all different circumstances and God loves them all. If I'm going to live circumspectly, I've got to know God's heart towards everyone. I must understand what the will of the Lord is, is that they be saved. Secondly, secondly, it's the will of God for everyone to be free from the bondage of the devil. That's that's uh, 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8. It is the will of God that every person you meet, everyone you come in contact with, that they be free from the bondage of the devil. What does that mean? Well, that manifests in all kinds of different ways. Everything from sickness and disease to addictions to being bound by sin to being uh, mentally oppressed. All kinds of things are the bondage of the devil. And you can know for certain, we as children of God must know for certain, that when we come in contact with someone that is bound, that is messed up with stuff, that God's will is that they be free. You can tell them. You can look them right in the eye with all confidence, no hesitation whatsoever, and say, God has something better for you. God has a better life for you. He doesn't want you to just be bound up by all this junk. He wants you to be free. And not back off for a second. No hesitation in your voice because you know the will of God for them. It's God's will that people be free. And third, third, it is God's will. This is 3 John verse 2. It is God's will that everybody prosper in all areas of life. Yeah, that basically means that God wants them to be successful. God wants them to succeed on the job, succeed in their family, succeed in all that they put their hands to. Amen. And we can, again, we can look at people, all people who are struggling. When people complain, anybody know any complainers? It's the normal part of our world. We live in a troubled world and people like to talk about everything that's wrong. But you can look at someone with confidence and say, you know what? God has something better for you. God has something better for you. 
God wants to help you succeed. He wants to help you have success and victory in your life. Oh, isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but I don't have any bad news. I mean, if someone rejects the Lord, I guess I do have bad news. But uh, beyond that, if someone will open up their heart, there is only good news available to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we get painted out to be, you know, evil and bad and, you know, and, you know, what's that word? And uh, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) All that not good stuff. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't matter. What's, what's, our, what's our message to people? Man, man, the Lord loves you. He wants to make you well, wants to make you strong, wants to fix you up, wants to make you better than before, better, stronger, faster. <laughs> Amen. He wants to make your life something incredible. And that's absolutely the truth. That's what Jesus came to do. Amen. So when we get established and settled in the basic concepts of the will of God for all people of all time, it sets us up to be used of God. And watch, now we can redeem the time or make the most of every opportunity. Listen, the clock is ticking. The game clock is is running. There is only a certain amount of time left. And no doubt, if we could see everything from the other end, from the other side and look backwards, we would look back at our lives and think, man, I wasted a bunch of time. Man, I should have been doing this when I was doing something else. Let's have the wisdom and the maturity to be able to do that from this side while the clock is still running to say, hey, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. Amen? Thank you, Lord. And so we don't want to be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Remember now, there is nothing required of us to be loved of God fully. Once I am in Christ, there is nothing else required. I am completely and fully accepted in Him no matter if I ever do a thing in the world. I don't have to do anything else. I am loved by God because of who He is, not because of what I've done. That's just the fact whether I act right, whether I think right, whether I do anything. That's just the truth. But listen, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be productive. It's one thing to receive from God. It's another thing to do something for, for God. And, you know, and I'm, I'm reminded of what I shared with you. I think it was just last week. But it, it wasn't planned. It just came up in my heart as I was teaching. And it's stirred in me since then as well. But when, the, when Saul, who became Paul, had an experience with the Lord on the road to Damascus, he looked up and immediately said, Lord, who are you? And then he went on to say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to, what? Do. Do. And too many times we skip right over that today. We just think, I receive the Lord. I give my life to Him. And we go back into the normal routine of our lives instead of recognizing that God has an assignment for us. He has a plan for us. In this game, we're not in the stadium to be watching. We're not in there just to be cheering everybody else on. He has something for you to do. What is that? What does he want you to do? Let's be asking that question. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It, it reads, And he gave, him, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, 
and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice he didn't say that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do the ministry. He gave them to do the ministry so everyone else could say, good job. So the rest of his family could cheer them on and be supportive. Is that what he gave the, uh, the five-fold ministry gifts to do? No. He gave them for a specific purpose, and that is to put something inside of the rest of the body of Christ so that they would do something. All right? That's always been his plan, but it's been twisted in our day to where people think, I'm not called to ministry. I mean, there are some people who are called to be pastors, and their job is is ministry, but I'm just, I mean, I just accepted the Lord, but that's about it. And that's never been his plan. It's a misconception of, and misunderstanding of the New Testament to think that some people are called to ministry and others are not called to ministry. Very clearly in the Word of God, this passage and others, every person who accepts the Lord has been called to do the work of the ministry. That's right. Amen. And this is a vital component that makes things work, all right? Uh, not everyone's called to a speaking gift. Not everyone has a five-fold ministry speaking gift. They're supposed to teach and preach. But everyone is called to ministry. But the way that people have viewed what a Christian really is has gotten mixed up. But if we take the true definition of what it means to be a Christian, what's happening in most places is this. People are saying, I'm going to pay you to be a Christian so that I don't have to be one. You meaning people like me. In other words, some people are paid to be a Christian. So others don't have to be. Some people are paid to be active. So others can be passive. And we can watch. Oh, I like this game. This is a good game. If that's really what a definition of a Christian is, and biblically speaking... That'd be right. Every Christian is called to do something in God's kingdom, God's plan. Amen. And so, today, I'm the quarterback. I always wanted to be the quarterback. And a good way for us to understand how this works really is... The football game. Uh, you've seen in the NFL, of course, the um, the quarterbacks often ha- they have a speaker in their heads in their helmet, and the coach or the offensive coordinator is sending in plays. And other leagues, of course, they do it with hand signals and different things. And then they're checking their plays and and uh, and and finding out what's right. And uh, <laughs> and they're they're getting signals from the coach, so they can carry that out. So let's see, how does that work? The coach or the offensive coordinator sends in the message. The quarterback gets the message, gets the play, and he goes out and says, Yes! Oh, all right! I heard from coach! I got it! 
I love that play. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. I mean, I've got that on my refrigerator. That's my favorite play. And he's been studying the playbook. He listens to it in the car. He reads at least a chapter a day of his playbook. And coach sent him, he, he went in. I mean, he's in, the, he's in the game. And coach gave him a play. He's got, man, that play gives me goosebumps. Ooh, oh, I just love that. Thank you, Jesus. I just love that play. Is that what he does, right? No, no. He's got a limited amount of time here. The clock is ticking, and he's got to do something with that real quick. What's he going to do? Come on, let's get together, guys. He's going to, get, he's going to bring the rest of his offense in a huddle. That's what we're doing here today. I, I'm hearing from Coach. He's talking to me. Not just today, regularly. Because he's directing this thing. This is his game, his plan. He knows how to win. He knows what we need to do to have success. All right? So he's sending in plays. And so the quarterback gets in there, gets in the huddle, and he tells everybody on the offense what they're going to do. Here's the play. And he does it very quick. He gives them the play. And then what do they do? Woo! I love that play. Yes! That's my favorite play. I, 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 I like that. Man, it sure makes me feel good. I just get this warm and fuzzy every time I huddle up with you guys. I just, I just love the body of Christ, man. I just love the family of God. We have to get together, and I just feel good. Huh? <laughs> Anything happening here yet? Are, are we gaining any ground? No. No. In fact, one of the problems with many people's lives is they do those parts. They huddle up with the rest of the family. And they get the word. They get the play. They find out what the assignment is. They know their routes. They know what they're supposed to do. But they become satisfied in hearing. They become satisfied in getting direction, in getting a, 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 you know, a plan from God. And you know what the problem is? They've been on the 40-yard line for years. Say, so where are you? I'm at the 40. Cool. Where, where were you last year? Well, the 40. Where were you five years ago? Well, I was right here. Well, I was actually at the 42, but I got pushed back a little bit. What's the problem here? Is it their hearing? No. Are they, do they know what the plan is? They know what the play is. So often that's the case. They know what it is, but you know what? They haven't run the play yet. They haven't actually run the play. And so what they do, you know, the next step, of course, everyone lines up, everyone gets in their spot, and the quarterback gets ready, starts calling out deals, and, you know, does all this stuff, and, and, uh, and, uh, and he gets the ball, and what's he going to do? Most of the time, he's either going to hand the ball off or he's going to, you know, he's going to, you know, or he's going to pass it or he's going to to pass the ball. Right? (laughs) Now Now that someone else has the ball, now that you have the ball, it's been handed off, it's been pitched to you, it's been passed to you, what do you do then? Woohoo! Yeah, I got it! Yeah, I got the ball, I got the ball, I got the ball, I got the ball! (laughs) Right? Just celebrate and be happy that you have the ball. Right? No. How many know you do that, and in a couple seconds, you're on your back? (laughs) 
you are in pain. <laughs> you are going to be stopped. Because the enemy, I mean the defense, <laughs> in real life the enemy doesn't want you to get anywhere. Doesn't want you to accomplish anything. Doesn't want you to take any ground. Doesn't want you to move down towards the, towards the score. And so if he can convince you to not do anything but just receive it and just celebrate and just be happy that you have it, game's over. All right. What are you supposed to do with the ball? Huh? Run. Move with that ball. Soon as you have it, you're heading towards the goal. We've got to run with it. Same thing is true when we get direction from the Lord. He speaks to us. He gives us the plan. He calls the play in, the play, and we have to run that play. And when the ball is given to you, run with it. Do something with it. You've got to get moving. What are we talking about in church? Come expecting to get the ball. Huh? Winners want the ball. Winners want the ball in their hand. Tell me what's going on. Put the ball in my hand. Why? Why, why do we want it? Just so we can feel the leather? No, so that we have something we can run with. Let's not just sit with it. Let's not catch the ball and... The best players are those who gain yardage after the catch. After they get the ball, they they gain yardage. They are very impressive, and they are the most successful players. What about the most successful Christians? Same thing's true. They receive the word of the Lord... They get the direction, the plan of, plan of God, and they do something with it. And they run down and score. What about when someone else has the ball? <laughs> no, we're on the same team here. I, 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 think, I, I think I need to do another message. <laughs> we need to realize we are on the same team okay no seriously if you see someone else get the ball in other words what are we talking about someone else gets a word from god someone else gets direction someone else that needs to be involved with this you go block for them in other words you get out there and you help them score you see someone else has something from god be it do all that you can do to help them accomplish it because the ball's coming into your lap too and they're going to be there around there to help clear the path so you can run in amen amen God has a plan for us. He needs every one of us in the game. He needs you to do your part to fulfill your role. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2. The Lord wrote to, said, him, said to him, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. That he may run who reads it. We're supposed to get things from God so that we can run with them. Amen. It's all too common today for people to view their time in church as a fulfillment of their Christian duty. But this is just the huddle, you guys. We're just communicating what God wants. We're just communicating what He's planning to do. Communicating what He wants and and what our our part to play is in any given uh, offensive scheme. But we're to to find out what to do and let's get out there and get something done. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we just love you today. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your, your, your spirit speaking to us. Lord, we are thankful that we're hearing plays from the coach. We're thankful that we're, we've been given a game plan. But Lord, our heart is not only just to know what to do, but to carry out your plan. To look for action items. 
things in each and every message, each and every word that we can put into practice in our lives going forward. Lord, we don't want to be at the 40-yard line next year. We don't want to be at the 40-yard line five years from now. Lord, we want to be moving forward, making progress, moving ahead to accomplish what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, we thank you for this today. We thank you for your divine presence, your help. You've strengthened us. You've enabled us. You've provided for us. And we're not to do what you've called us to do in our own strength. But, Lord, we're using the ability of your Spirit. The gifts of God inside of us. Thank you for what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved.